To our new passengers, aloha and welcome. As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone, and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. The show will begin momentarily. Thank you. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Welcome to Dave's Disney View Podcast, provided on our own version of the information highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Dave's Disney View is a look at the Walt Disney World Resort and sometimes beyond, as seen through the eyes of Dave, a frequent visitor, a one-time cast member, and an engineer who simply enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. Now, please keep your party together and put on your virtual mouse ears. And by all means, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Back in some of my early podcasts, I talk about eating around the world, trying to get to every restaurant on Disney property. One question that I've gotten probably more often than not related to that topic is, what are some of my favorites? What are the restaurants that I really like? So in today's podcast, I thought I would present to you my top 10 favorite restaurants at Walt Disney World. Now, this is an interesting thought because for there, this is a personal list. These are the ones that I like best. For me, I'm not big on general counter service meals unless they do something that's really different. There's something thematic about the location, something that's interesting about it. Because counter service meals, for the most part, are just that, just a counter service meal. So for the most part, I'm looking for something that's a little more immersive, something that's a little more interesting. Many of the things on my list are going to be uh, sit-down restaurants and different things that you might expect. A couple of things on my list may be a little bit unexpected. Of course, your mileage may vary. You may have different things that you like and different restaurants that you're interested in. In fact, if you have a list that you'd like to send me, please send it over to davesdisneyview at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to kind of compile another list and do this another time. Maybe we'll look at signature dining versus counter service or something else another time. But for now, I just wanted to get started with my top ten and explain to you how things wound up in the top ten. Dave's Top Ten Restaurants. Number ten. At number 10, I'd like to start off with a group of restaurants that either are no longer there in service, in service the way they were, or they've changed thematically in some way and they're a little different than they used to be. And there's a couple of restaurants on this list. I have five on this list that kind of fall into this category, and I wanted to give them their due and put them at number 10. So the first one is Ariel's. Ariel's was over at the Swan Hotel, and it was this cute little clever restaurant that was buried in the, uh, in the back of the hotel. And it had this cute, very clever little theme where it had some fish tanks and so forth, and it was a seafood restaurant. And it was Ariel's, and it was just really charming, and it had a certain panache to it, and I really liked it. The problem was it was underserviced, and there weren't many people who came there. The Swan hadn't really grown into the hotel it is now, and so they were having trouble theming it and keeping people coming to it, so they really couldn't keep it up. The other thing I really liked about it was that they had a strolling band that kind of came through there. And it was just a band with like a clarinet and a, and a saxophone and a, you know, a couple of other things. But it was just a small little band of three or four people that would come around and play music for you at your table. And it was just really sweet. And I remember them playing Under the Sea. And I just was like, wow, this is like the perfect meal. I'm eating seafood, which seems kind of odd. 
in Ariel's restaurant and they're playing under the sea and there's all these fish tanks. And I just have this memory of it being really, really charming and nice. Now the food, I don't remember the food all that well. I remember that I enjoyed what I ate. Um, but I just remember the theming of it just being so fun that I, it was really a good time and I really enjoyed going there. Also on that closed list is 1900 Park Fair. Now it's changed a little bit over the last, oh, 15 years or so. Uh, before that, it was really a nice location to go in and be able to get a nice buffet meal um, where you had a couple of different rotating characters who would come through. I believe at the time I went there uh, that I really remembered, it was Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter. And the food selection was great, and it was really a lot of fun. I think Mary Poppins might have been in the, lo- in the lobby. And it was really just a nice place to go, and I really enjoyed the meal and the atmosphere and sort of the charm of the uh, 1900 Park Fair. And I just remember it being just really nice. And I've been back there since, and it really didn't have that same sort of charm to me. And I thought the buffet was pared down a little bit because they were trying to move more people through to get to the uh, to see the characters. And I get it, but it just it's not the same to me. So the way it was back then really kind of worked for me. Next on the list is a uh, dining establishment that used to be uh, over in the Polynesian Hotel. It, I think it was called Minnie's Menihuni Breakfast Buffet with uh, Minnie and Friends. And so Minnie Mouse and her friends would be there. It was Goofy and Donald and uh, maybe Pluto that would go around and have some fun. And they had this really elaborate buffet. It's where Stitches, Lilo and Stitches uh, Buffet is now. And it was just this elaborate buffet. It kind of went out, and it was just really nice. And having Minnie going around and having you know Pluto going around, it was just a really fun place to go. I used to go there as an adult, and my friends and I would go, and we just have a good time because the food was good and the atmosphere was nice. And I just liked being able to look out. If you could see out across the water, you could see the castle in the background, and it just really made it special. I don't like Stitches, Lilo and Stitches as much as that, but I really do miss the, uh, the Minnie's Manihuni uh, breakfast. It was really a lot of fun. Something about the Polynesian Hotel that I love anyway, but it just kind of worked out really well for me. Also on this list is the Tusker House. Now, the Tusker House currently in the Animal Kingdom serves a, um, a meal that uh, is a character meal, and uh, I remember it when it was still counter service. And the counter service meal that they had there was spectacular. They had rotisserie chickens, they had vegetable sandwiches, they had a number of things that were just really, really good. The food was delicious, it was plentiful, there was always a lot of seating available, and it was kind of this hidden treasure. I really enjoyed going in there, and I I thought it was fantastic. I'm kind of sorry that they changed it to a character meal, and I haven't been there since they changed it, but uh, I kind of missed the way it was when it was this counter-service dining that was really very good. And the last one on this list is King Stephen's Banquet Hall. King Stephen's was actually... Uh, located where Cinderella's Royal Table is now. And it was a real sit-down restaurant with a menu, and you would order from the menu, and they would bring things over to you. And they had a nice variety of food that they would serve, and it wasn't the um, the princess interaction that it is today. And I really enjoyed going up there because you could go up there for a meal and kind of take it a little bit leisurely and just enjoy yourself. The atmosphere is still the same as it was, but it was just a little bit more, I don't know, it just had a certain charm to it at that point in time when it was set up that way. You could just go up and enjoy it and relax and uh, kind of take it in. And, you know, ordering from the menu was always kind of neat, unlike having this um, pre-plated sort of meal that you would order, and it was all out there, and it just it feels a little more rushed and a little more hurried. And, of course, the uh, you know, it kind of changed in its nature a little bit because it used to be just a place where you would go. It was one of the better dining experiences in the Magic Kingdom back in the day. So that was my take on that one. So that's my number 10. Moving on. Number 9. Now, you may be surprised to hear this, but one of the places I like is in Morocco, uh, over in Epcot, and it's called the Tangerine Cafe. And it's the counter-service restaurant that's just outside of the restaurant Marrakesh. 
And this is really a kind of a neat little place. They serve a lot of different um, Middle Eastern type foods that are really pretty delicious. They have uh, different uh, shawarma chicken and uh, lamb, and uh, they have couscous and uh, falafel, and you know a number of different uh, Mediterranean vegetables and so forth that they that they make up. And it's really a nice variety of food that I think is really kind of interesting. Yeah, the location is just counter service, and you just kind of walk up and you order your food and you sit outside. If you want to listen to the Moroccan band playing, you can sit outside and just listen to them. Or you can just take your food and move down the way a little bit. Maybe move over toward um, Canada and listen to the, uh, the uh, off-kilter band. Or you can move over the other way and just uh, see what's playing over at the, uh, the America Gardens Theater and just kind of sit out there and enjoy it. So there's a number of different ways that you can kind of sit and relax and enjoy your food. You don't have to sit there and eat it. And that's one of the things I like about some of the counter service restaurants at Epcot, that you have a little bit of ability to move around and enjoy it and kind of uh, take in the atmosphere at different places. You know, honestly, the counter service restaurants at Epcot are really kind of nice in the whole because you can kind of just enjoy them and just take in the atmosphere of these different countries and really kind of enjoy uh, what they have to offer. And you don't necessarily have to sit at the tables right in front of wherever you get the food from. So that's one of the places that I really enjoy going. Number eight. Next on my list is the 50s Primetime Cafe over at the uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. This is a kind of a kitschy little place. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of the food they have there. I'm not a big comfort food kind of guy. I don't like fried chicken, and I don't like meatloaf, and I don't like pot roast. So that kind of rules out half their menu. But... I really like the atmosphere, and I like going in there and just kind of kicking back and having Aunt Sue or Uncle Bill come by and give me a hard time about putting my elbows on the table or checking to see that I finished my green beans. There's something kind of fun about that restaurant that just makes it kind of entertaining, and I think the Imagineers did a nice job of capturing the sort of the ambiance of a 1950s-era kitchen when you're sitting there and having uh, a meal. And I really kind of enjoy that. And I, you know, I, I like it and I like going in there. I just don't, I'm not a huge fan of the food, but it makes my list because it's just so unique and such a unique dining experience. Number seven. Next on my list is the Flame Tree Barbecue over at the Animal Kingdom. Now, this is a, an odd choice, I know. It's just a, a barbecue shack that's there and it's a truly a counter service uh, establishment and there's nothing much to it, except for the fact that the way they themed up all of the dining area in the back is so amazing. You can walk back there and you can see all these different like gazebo huts and stuff that they put up and they're all very nice and you know they've got a little theme to them and if you really follow along and see what they're doing and you can see all the different animals that are there and what the, uh, the animals represent in the different huts, it's kind of interesting. It's much cooler back there. If you find one that's kind of off the beaten path a little bit, you can go down toward the water and just sit back there and just watch the world go by. You're in a nice shaded area, it's a little cooler, there's a fan running, and you can kind of kick back and um, maybe look at the lakes that are there. If you, happen to, if you happen to go off a little bit, you know, kind of go around the building, go off, go down some, uh, a little path there, you can sit at a table and be right by the water and just enjoy the, uh, the food and the atmosphere. Now, the barbecue itself is pretty good. It's not spectacularly good, but it's pretty good. But the smell is so wonderful, it kind of makes the atmosphere just kind of work. So as you're walking by, you smell it and you go, mmm, that smells good. And then you kind of get the food and you go around that corner and you're just sitting by a lake and you're just relaxing. It's, there's something to be said for the whole atmosphere. It's, it's the whole picture that makes it up, not just about the food or the atmosphere. It's everything that kind of makes that up, and it really makes it kind of special. Number six. At number six on my list is the Coral Reef Restaurant. The Coral Reef is, of course, inside the Living Seas with Nemo and Friends over at Epcot. It's uh, kind of off to the side. You go in and you're actually sitting by the fish tank, so you have the uh, fish swimming by as you eat a nice meal. 
Now, this is a nicer restaurant. It's one of the higher-end restaurants, and it's really very pleasant when you sit in there. And, you know, they kind of dim the lights in a way where the, the fish tank is very well lit, and you can see the fish swimming by and so forth. And if you're lucky enough to get a table right by the tank, you can kind of see the uh, fish swimming by, and the, um, sometimes there's a diver in the tank, and they'll come by and wave to you and so forth. Now, a guy I knew once told me a story about how he proposed to his girlfriend. What he did, he made an arrangement with uh, a diver who was in the tank. Now, how he did this, I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, you talk to Disney people and you figure it out along the way. But the diver came swimming by their table and, you know, like knocked on the glass a couple of times and waved to them a couple of times. And ultimately, he, he pulled out a waterproof, waterproof tablet that said, will you marry me? <laughs> and, you know, she looked, she looked at him, then she looked at the, um, the, my friend, and she went and she realized what was going on and she was being proposed to. He'd already pulled out a ring. And it was just a very special moment for them. And I kind of think that's neat because you can do some interesting things with that, having that tank there. You can come up with something interesting if you wanted to. Uh, you have to make all these arrangements, and you really have to make it work, but uh, apparently this worked for him. So kind of a neat thing, but the uh, restaurant itself is just very pleasant, and the food is really good. Um, I really enjoy the, uh, the dishes they put together, so I, I recommend this restaurant, and it's uh, one of my favorites. Number five. Coming in at number five, the Whispering Canyon Cafe. Now, this is... This is a sit-down restaurant that serves like skillet food and, you know, kind of more or less down-home kind of food if you want to look at it that way. They have, you know, chicken and ribs and everything that are, uh, that are in the barbecue style, and they're pretty good. But what makes this restaurant fun is a lot of times the cast members take on sort of the personality that you would expect. And they'll get a little snotty with you, and they'll have a little fun with you, and they'll kind of pick on you a little bit if certain things happen. And if you ask for ketchup... It's the greatest moment in time, and it's one of the funniest things that can happen at a Disney dining experience. You ask for ketchup, and, well, I'm not going to tell you what they do. Just go in there sometime and ask for ketchup. It's a lot of fun. It's just one of those places that just kind of makes the dining experience fun, and I think that really is what captures it for me. It's, again, it's not necessarily about the food. It's about the experience because the waiters and waitresses that they have there, the cast members who are doing that job, uh, they play that role so well, and they really do make it interactive and fun with you. You never know what's going to happen. Be sure and tell them if it's your anniversary or birthday. You'll get a kick out of what they do. And then they do the roundup show every once in a while where they take all the kids and have them doing something, and it's fun, fun, fun. You know, they might pick on you because you're wearing a hat or not wearing a hat or because you're wearing a Mickey shirt or not wearing a Mickey shirt. You never know what they're going to do when you sit down and, uh, and start working with them. But you can't expect it. You know, you may see it at a table next to you, but it may not happen to you at all. You just don't know that until after it, it gets going. Number four. Coming in at number four is Chef Mickey's, but only for breakfast. I'm not a huge fan of Chef Mickey's for dinner. I don't think the food is that great, but I love their breakfast buffet. It's got a little bit of everything on there for if you've got a palate for breakfast. And I really enjoy the atmosphere. And if you get there a little bit later in the seating times, you can take a little more leisurely time. You get to spend a little more time with Mickey and Donald and Goofy and um, Minnie if she's around too. And you get to interact with them a little bit more. The last time I was there, I had so much fun. Uh, they, um, we were there for the, the latest seating, so we were there pretty much after they closed. They were putting the food away just as we were getting ready to leave. And um, the waiter had come by and picked up the tray of the last couple of plates we had at the table. And my son was so upset because he had gotten something. I don't know, it was a donut or something. And so Goofy went and got him something else. It was brownies or something and brought them over to him. And it just made the whole day. You never know what's going to happen. But that's what's neat about the character interactions here is it's just really cool that uh, the characters are taking the time to interact with you and uh, do some fun things. Plus, of course, the little show they do with the waving the napkins around, that's a lot of fun. 
And what? how could you beat sitting in there and having fun with Mickey and Donald and everybody? And the monorail is going by. The monorail goes inside the building. I love that. You know, I'm such a geek that way when it comes to the monorail that I think that just kind of makes the whole experience that much better. But I love the buffet there, and I think it's really great. And uh, it's one of my favorite places to go, and I really just enjoy going there. Any chance I get to have breakfast at uh, Chef Mickey's, I'll do that. Number three. At number three on my list is the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater. Over in the Disney's Hollywood Studios, this is a outdoor movie theater that's really indoors. And you're sitting inside a car, and you're having a meal. And they're showing clips from old 1950s-era um, sci-fi movies. And it's just so much fun. I mean, the, the place is just great. It's the same show they've been doing for over 20 years now. It's the same loop of uh, films. But it really is fun, and some of the cast members really get into it and interact with the, the screen and do some fun things, and some don't. But the food is good, the atmosphere is good, and the, the mix of the um, sci-fi shows that they're, that they're showing is really kind of fun. And it has that certain, again, that imagineering um, part of it that makes it really, really fun, where you're sitting in there and you're just enjoying the atmosphere and uh, eating some good food, and it's, it's a, lot of, uh, a lot of good times. And then as you look at the way they've set it up, too, you realize that it's supposed to be set up like a movie set. So as you go to the backside, it's, they left it open like it was a movie set. So they're trying to show you that they've constructed it in this way. And I just think from the total Imagineering perspective, this is just absolutely amazing. And that's why it makes my list at number three. Number two. And number two on my list is the California Grill. And that's on the top of the Contemporary Resort. And uh, it's a great place to have a signature dining meal. It's a really high-end meal. Um, you know, not necessarily recommended for kids, but there's no restrictions. Certainly, you can bring kids in there. Um, you know, the uh, price of admission is a little high. Uh, the, the entrees are a little bit on the high side. But no other place in the world can you get a view like you get there. So if, you, if you're up there and you're having, a, uh, having drinks or dining... Uh, you can actually look out over the Magic Kingdom. You can see most of the Magic Kingdom from uh, up above. And it's really pretty cool. And if you happen to get a seating at the time that Wishes is going on and you happen to be lucky enough to sitting by, be sitting by the window, they pipe in the music from Wishes and you're watching the fireworks spectacular kind of over the Magic Kingdom. Now, from the perspective of being in the Magic Kingdom, the way they set the fireworks, they're going behind the castle. But when you're in a different perspective, you're skewed by about, what, 45 degrees or so? Um, so you're looking kind of indirectly at the castle, and you can see the fireworks are not directly over the castle. So it kind of loses a little bit of the magic that way, but more than makes up for it because you can see the you can see the fireworks from a different perspective and still hear the music. So it's really pretty neat that you can kind of take that in and enjoy it. Now the unwritten rule is, if you happen to be a dining guest who's there before the wishes firework, you can come back during wishes and go on the balcony outside of the restaurant and watch wishes from out there. So it's a really neat, neat way to be able to uh, catch the fireworks show, even if you're not uh, dining at the restaurant at the time that Wishes is going on, if you want to come back over and watch it. Just check with a cast member down at the uh, check-in level, and they'll tell you how to do it. But it's really a really neat place, and the food is spectacular. The sushi is good. The, the, um, most of the main dishes are good. It's just a place where you, you really can't go wrong with a bad meal. And if you have special dining uh, options that you need, some dietary restrictions, certainly the chef will work with you to uh, help you figure out something Maybe that's not even on the menu to help you. The menu changes regularly, so you never know what's going to be on there exactly. But the chef will work with you to help you find something that will meet your dietary needs. Or maybe it's just your likes. Um, certainly you can ask a question and they'll come out and they'll talk to you about it and make something that you like. So it really is um, one of the more remarkable places. And there's something really neat about looking over the Magic Kingdom from the top of the Contemporary Hotel. 
Number one. And finally, at the top of my list, anybody, any guesses what this one is? Anybody want to take a guess? No guesses? Okay. Uh, my uh, favorite place to dine is at Boma, and that is over in the Animal Kingdom Lodge. And this is a uh, complete dining experience that's a number of African-inspired and African-themed foods uh, that uh, cover a wide range of different um, palates, really. And it's, it's got salads, and it's got soups, and it's got uh, carved meats, and it's got these different um, main dishes and entrees and all kinds of interesting things that they're doing. And it's a, it's a complete buffet, so you can take as much as you want, try a little bit of everything, go back and get some of the stuff you really like. The thing that I always, every time I go there, the one thing that I always love are their soups. Every one of their soups are just absolutely outstanding. And a couple of times I've managed to get recipes from them. So for like their carrot ginger soup, I've asked for their recipe and I've managed to get it. Uh, so it's really kind of nice. You can ask uh, for a couple of things and they'll give them to you once in a while. And of course you can, you can kind of just dine in there and then walk out on the savannah afterwards and just kind of stroll along and see the animals out on the, uh, on the plains there. And it's really pretty neat. It's just a, a wonderful place to kind of uh, take it in. It has a, a very pleasant aroma and it just goes along with everything that you're doing. And I think the whole place is just really well thought out. And I love dining there. It's, it's, it is my favorite place to dine on Disney property right now. And um, I will eat there as often as I can, too. So it's really, it's really pleasant. I enjoy it thoroughly. And uh, that would be my number one on the list. Now, as I said, your list may be a little bit different. You may come up with things that you think are a little bit different. And please feel free to tell me what they are. This is my personal list, the things that I like, and I'm just telling you what they are. If you haven't tried some of them, you might want to go check them out. So I hope you get a chance to try some of my favorites the next time you go to Walt Disney World. And before I go, I wanted to talk about another app I have in the iTunes store. And this one has to do with pin trading. As you may recall, back in episode 81, I did an in-depth look at pin trading. I talked about how to trade pins, where to trade them, what you might collect, the different categories of pins, and, and a host of other information about pin trading. And I would highly recommend that if you're interested in pin trading, you go back and listen to that podcast. Now, the thing I was thinking was, and of course, we enjoy trading them in the parks. It's a lot of fun to just go in there and trade pins and have some fun and have a really good time just you know, moving pins around and getting something you like. The challenge is always, how do you keep track of which pins you already have? So that way, you know which ones you want to trade for. So what I've done in the past is I've just taken a picture of some of the pins or groups of pins that my kids have, and I'll have those with me, and I can just pull it up and say, oh, yeah, you have this one. Of course, there are other ways of doing it. Some people just use a sheet of paper. They'll write down the pins that they want, uh, and they'll fold that up and keep it in their pocket. So people have different ways of keeping track of the pins that they already have, the pins that they want, and the pins that they have to trade. And I was looking at that, and I was thinking, wow, this is really more complicated than I want it to be. The challenge here is that I've got three kids, and they're all trading pins, and I've got a few I want myself. How do I keep track of all of them? How do I keep track of whose is whose and what's what and that kind of stuff? So I came up with an app. I created this app myself, and it's uh, pin trading. It's a way of uh, keeping track of all of these pins and being able to keep them on your iDevice, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad. So the, the app is pretty cool, and I'll put a link to it in my show notes, but the objective is that you can actually take a picture of your pin or your group of pins and store it on your phone or your iPad. So that way, when you go to the parks, you have this with you, and you can look through, you can write a description, put the category in there, and figure out which pins you have and which ones you're looking for. 
And it's got a couple of neat features, like you can do it in the cover flow where you just flip through. You can search based on various criteria. You can write some text around it, put it in a category, those types of things, to make it really easy for yourself to find. And that way, when you go looking for them, you can look at them in a list, or you can pull up that cover flow and just kind of flip through it and find the one that you already have or that you want. So I think it's a pretty cool little app, and it's only 99 cents, and it's helping me out to be able to manage my pins a little more effectively, and I hope it would help you out as well. Now, the other cool feature that makes this a little bit unique is the fact that you have the ability to create a wish list. So as you're looking at your pins, you can say, you know what, I'm looking for an XYZ. Maybe you've gone online and you've heard about this pin or you've seen it, and you can put it on your wish list and put it and tag it as a wish list. And if you can find the URL for a picture of that pin, you can add it to your iPhone as well. So that way you'll have a picture of it, so if you see it, you know which ones you're looking for. So that way you have a means of kind of keeping track of it. And if you found it, just, just flip the switch and tell it that it's now a pin that you have. Now it becomes part of your list of pins that you've got. So the database is maintained entirely on the phone, but I have a means for you to be social and share some information about your pins. So you've got these pins and you want to share with your friends. I want to show off the pins that I have, my favorites, or the ones I want to trade. I can go ahead and tag them that way and then save them out to the cloud so other people can view them. If you want, you can uh, put your name on it and whatever, and that's fine. That way other people can see your pins. Now, you could engage in trade with someone outside of uh, this app. That's entirely up to you. I don't encourage that because you're trading on the Internet. You don't know who you're trading with, but if you wanted to, you could. And you can look through other people's wish lists or the, the pins they have to trade, and maybe you can come to some sort of an arrangement. Never know. Uh, and maybe if you just keep it within your friends and family, you'd have an easier time of it. But anyway, the idea is just to have a fun little app to be able to control and manage your pins so that you, that way you know what pins you have. So, as before, if anyone is interested in getting a free copy of this app, just send me an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com and I'll be happy to give away some free copies so you guys can see it, tell me what you think, and give me feedback about it. As with the uh, Hidden Mickeys app, I'd like to make it a fun app that's interactive and so if you have suggestions or feedback, I'd be happy to take them, and maybe we'll come up with a new version in the near future. So that's, uh, that's my take, and I highly, you know, highly encourage you to go out and take a look at it. Uh, it's available in the iTunes store. As I said, there will be a link in my show notes, so please go out and take a look, and feel free to pick up a copy of the app. I hope you enjoy it. But that is my podcast for now, and remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. From all of us, Thanks for taking a listen to the podcast today. If you're standing, please hold onto the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the show stops completely and the doors open. Ladies and gentlemen, please collect your personal belongings, watch your head and step, and take small children by the hand. As this concludes our journey, we hope that you enjoyed the show and that you drive home safely. Our thanks go to Doug at geekacres.net for his contributions to the show also to Craig for the original music you hear on the show. You can find Craig's music over at ReverbNation.com slash sound A. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the show, please feel free to contact Dave at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Show notes and links to other great content on the web can be found at disneypodcast.net. Now, I will raise the safety bar, and a podcaster will follow you home. Ha 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 